I think it's a, a wonderful thing to like have Jesus in your pocket. Welcome to the Still Christian Podcast, where we retrace our steps through evangelical culture, finding a new way forward without abandoning our faith. I'm Sarah. I'm Katie. And we're Still Christian. This week, we are talking to Drew Dixon, a local pastor, my husband, and a biblical scholar and expert. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that, Drew? <laughs> These things are true. I don't I don't know that I'd go so far to say biblical wow. scholar. It's been said. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here. Well, Drew, who the heck are you? And what do you do? I mean, Katie said it a little bit, but tell us more. Also, hi, welcome. Hi. <laughs> well, the most important thing is that I am Katie's husband. Oh. So glad <laughs> to be joining in the fun that you guys have been having. But uh, yeah, I, I'm a minister at a small church south of Seattle where we live. Uh, I've been there for about four and a half years. And um, it's it's a sweet little community. And I've gotten to learn a lot and, and be a part of that. Uh, in addition to that, I also serve as a spiritual director where I meet with people uh, individually uh, and actually have uh, some groups as well to create a space for listening and reflection and prayer to discern what God might be up to in the midst of their life. So it's a little bit of plan. Wonderful. What excites you about what you do as a pastor? My favorite thing uh, about ministry in general is is just getting to it's always an honor to get to witness people's lives uh, I mean being a minister you have the opportunity to see into parts of people's lives is such an honor and learning to have an eye to see what God is up to in the midst of the lives of people as well um, is a joy. Uh, and that's one of my favorite things about spiritual direction, because we just cut right to the chase of that, asking that question in those kinds of, of places uh, where it's just, hey, where where are we seeing God here? Where are we noticing God in the midst of all this? Um, and that's always really fun. That really is and sounds like a privilege, because I feel like in normal relationships, all of that takes time, if it ever happens. It just occurred to me that we never actually said why Drew is here. Other than that, we just love him. But right. yeah. what, how can we sum up what Drew is going to talk about? The B-I-B-L-E. -E. That's a book for me. Someone That's else a book it. for Drew. That's a book for <laughs> Drew. For all of us. That's all we got. <laughs> well, and I think this is where Katie's um, comment of a biblical scholar came from, because yes. we invited Drew here today to talk all things Bible. You would think, or I would think, that the Bible is like, well, yeah, if you're a Christian, you believe it, but it's a little more complex than that. And there's a lot of arguments to be had over it. And so Drew is here to put them all to rest. Well, not really, but just mm -hmm. to talk a little bit more about that. <laughs> so Drew, what is your, where did your relationship with the Bible begin and where did it take you? Oh, what a, what a question. Starting at the beginning, I grew up in the church. I was born and raised going to church, but a particular part of my story is that my parents were divorced before I was even a year old. So I grew up 
between two homes, my, my mom's home and my dad's home, uh, which also meant I grew up between two churches. And so growing up, I, I witnessed these two very different ways of doing church, uh, which meant two different ways of, of reading and applying and understanding the Bible. Uh, and, and so often uh, growing up, I, I would hear this kind of us versus them way of approaching the Bible. You know, we read it this way, we do it this way. Um, because that's what it says and that's right. But then I would see this other church who also was reading the Bible, uh, but they're, they're maybe acting differently or, or doing things differently or holding things differently, uh, as they read scripture. And so in the midst of that, there was a lot of arguing, a lot of, um, tension. And I, I kind of grew up in the middle of all of that and certainly participated in it to some degree. That could have easily killed my faith. That could have easily, uh, just sent me, all right. Uh, everyone's just doing whatever they want to do. Who cares about all of this? But another part of my story is that having grown up between these two homes, you know, there's so much inconsistency uh, between this place and that place and, and back and forth life. The thing that was consistent for me, uh, no matter where I was, was God. As I was going between this home and that home, it often felt a bit like being homeless, but in many ways, God became my home. And so my faith was very much connected and like integrated into God is, is with me no matter where I am. But what people are saying about God seems to be different every, every time I go from one place to another. And so by the time I got to high school, I just kind of was like, all right, everyone's saying this and that and the other. I just want to look for it myself. Uh, and so I really just started reading the Bible. And so I opened up to Genesis chapter one and started there. And what I did along the way was I would read a chapter and then write down a few thoughts, uh, kind of a little, you know, paragraph or two of, Hey, here's what I noticed. Here's what I saw. And then I'd, I'd send it off in an email to uh, some friends and, and family, a few people. Eventually there were like 20 to 30 people who were on this email list of stuff that I was reading and, and thinking about and learning as I read through the Bible. And it was in the midst of that that I really began to discover, I love this. Like, I love reading the Bible and, and taking what I found there and sharing it with others. And that, in many ways, is where I started to feel that call or a pull toward ministry. So did these other people, did they see you and did you see yourself as a leader or just a facilitator or just a participant, just because I'm thinking like, I could see how this could easily lend itself to like this, you know, at that point you were young, like this boy will become a pastor one day. But did you or did anyone else see it that way? I mean, I can't tell you what other people saw or thought, but I can say that it was in the midst of that, that I began to discover my sense of, of, of pull toward ministry as this is, this is what I want to do. Uh, this is, this is where I want to go. I did try to make it a very collaborative space. And so, I mean, I would mostly it was me writing stuff and sending it out, but I invited some other friends to jump in and write stuff and send it out. And there was always space for comments and conversation. It was never that that was never intended or desired to be a space for me to just write and send stuff to all the people all the time. But just, I mean, it initially started with I'm on this Bible journey and I'll share it with people if they want. I'm impressed that 
given kind of the backstory of going to these different churches and them having conflicting views of the Bible, that this is what resulted from it, because I could just see it being so confusing and frustrating. And you kind of mentioned that, like, great time to just give up your faith. You know, it's incredible to me that God used it to to call you into ministry and to and to use you already before you were professionally in ministry. So you were... 16-ish, let's say, reading the Bible, like really truly reading it for the first time. How did your, how has your perspective changed since then in how you read the Bible? And like, would you do the same thing today? Would you just open up to Genesis 1? And I assume you just kept reading like straight through Leviticus and all the things that usually made people give up the read the Bible in a year plan, you know? Tell me how that how that journey has changed for you. Well, I kind of stopped doing the Bible lesson thing and all of that whenever I became more connected to the church community. So one of the things that happened in the midst of that is I had pretty much prior to that season evenly split time between my mom's church and my dad's church. And and what I ended up doing in, in the later part of high school is really going and rooting in one particular church where I could connect with that community of people, know them, be known by them. Uh, and that's where some really deep relationships and friendships started to, to grow, um, that, that have persisted on through today. Uh, and so it was in those relationships that, that learning about scripture and digging into things began to happen together, uh, in a really, really deep way. So I love that your individual exploration of the Bible is actually what led you into community instead of out of it. Because so often, I think a lot of people read the Bible and then look at the church and say, these two things don't add up, therefore I'm leaving the church. But it's interesting to me that the Bible actually kind of pushed you into the church and into your calling as, as a pastor. differently now that you've been through, you know, your undergraduate and graduate training versus how you first read it in high school? Or do you read it differently? Yeah, I kind of began with, all right, I've got all this baggage from what this church and that church have been telling me, but I just, I just want to read it. Right. And so I started there. That did lead me into college where I said, hey, I want to study the Bible in college. And what's interesting, so I mean, I felt this pull toward ministry. But when I went to college, I mean, they had a Christian ministry degree. They had all kinds of stuff. But I chose the biblical text degree because I was like, that's mm-hmm. that's all that I want, right? And the ministry will come. That's a book for me. <laughs> yeah, that's the book yeah. for me. My kind of philosophy at that point was ministry will flow naturally from the Bible. And so I, I began to, to enter into learning some of the Greek some of the, the history and so you're you went deeper in college with biblical text and it, it further grounded and rooted you and then I'm curious because so many people who attend seminary leave feeling a little bit jaded about the Bible or can just end up viewing the Bible as more of a textbook. How did your experience of the Bible or how did seminary maybe change 
or impact your experience of the Bible? Because it was another four years, right? Right. So, I mean, I had college and then um, a, a couple of years, and then I continued on to the seminary where I, I got an MDiv as well. And I think the, the big thing is I continued to be connected to and part of and participating in a church throughout that whole time. And so studying scripture was never done apart from an active community of faith. And, and that was just always a part of it. And again, there are times that my study of scripture led me to criticize the community of faith that I was a part of. But I, I did so because I, I loved that community and wanted that community to, mm. you know, be, be a part of things. And so, you know, this, how we read scripture and how we participate in community um, of faith, they go hand in hand. Uh, and so they, they form one another. But yeah, so just continuing to be rooted in community is, has been a big part of that. Mm. Uh, the Bible is, is, I mean, like you said, not just a textbook. It's, it's a book that we live into. It's really interesting that you're bringing up this topic of studying the Bible while being part of a community. I don't think it's ever something I've really thought of before. And I'm just hearing a lot of what you're saying making sense, which is that the more you study the Bible, potentially the more it could drive you from community, from the church. And so I can see that your experience with studying the Bible while being part of a church maybe invited you to put some of these very biblical scholarly things into context, but also quite possibly forced you to, because you have to kind of reconcile, this is what the Bible, which I believe to be the word of God and to be true, this is what the Bible says, but this is what I'm seeing. And you kind of just have to figure it out or give up on one of them. Or both, maybe, if you really wanted to. Hmm. So it's really yeah. amazing um, yeah. and a, a a testament of some sort that you made it through with both intact. Yeah, Sarah, go, going off of what you said about reading the Bible and community, I'm thinking about Jew, the Jewish tradition and how they used to read scripture, read Torah in like it was never read apart from community it was always read in the temple or in the classroom and and a beautiful like tradition of midrash which is people's interpretation of scripture their disagreements further interpretations was always formed in community and so drew um or sarah i'm wondering when when did we stop reading and interpreting scripture and pouring over it in community like that and when do you think it became such an individual pursuit. Well, I've only made it to page 50, which is actually pretty good for me. I'm not a big reader, but a friend, mm. it might've been one of you actually, now that I think of it, recommended this book to me. Oh, it's Diana. Misreading scripture with individualist yeah. eyes. And what I am taking from it so far, 50 pages in is God bless America, because it's just very, that is a very cultural norm for us, a, a very normal cultural norm, I guess, mm -hmm. in America, that we're very individualistic. Yeah, I mean, I think another big piece of it is technological. And I don't mean the, the invention of like cell phones and internet, I mean, the invention of like paper and books. Because, I mean, it was really that shift into the modern era, kind of 16th, 17th century, after the printing press came about, uh, that you now have books. And books mean you now have literate people. 
and literate people means they have books and they read them by themselves, Mm -hmm. uh, you know? And so, I mean, there's some statistic about how the average household has, I don't know, like five Bibles or more. Um, how many people, you know, really read them? That's another question now. But all prior to all of that, the only way you would ever encounter Mm -hmm. scripture was in community. Uh, was was being together with others where it was being read out loud. That's the only way that you would have encountered it. And I mean, this is true of all kinds of other things too. Music, right? Nowadays, you know, put in your headphones and press play on Spotify and you've got music playing. But ages ago, you were, the only way that you ever encountered music was by going somewhere where someone was actually playing music. That's the only time you would hear it. Right. I think it's a, a wonderful thing to like have... Jesus in your pocket. (laughs) How disrespectful is that? Forgive me, Lord. But I can see that it also leads to um, a lot of solitude in a way. I was just thinking how in high school, one of the biggest things that was like kind of pressed into me was this idea that I needed to develop a personal quiet time which I'm not saying isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I think maybe we'll talk about that particular spiritual discipline in a future episode. But I feel like that was pressed into me more than you need to be in a group Bible study. Like if there was, if the people that were leading me and guiding me had a priority Mm -hmm. for me between group Bible study and personal quiet time, it was very much personal quiet time. Interesting take on it. Yeah. I would say the same. So uh, I'm I'm wondering for the two of you, right? I mean, each of one of these episodes, you've been taking something and and kind of sharing how you experienced it growing up in evangelical culture, uh, and and then maybe what that looks like now in your life or how that's changed for you over time. So, what about each of you with your experience of the Bible? I think growing up in church, I was taught that the Bible had all of the answers. And if you couldn't find the answer to life's most pressing questions or to small moral issues or big moral issues in the Bible, then you just weren't looking hard enough. But now I think the Bible is more about pointing you to to the right questions. And I don't don't know. I, I I just think because the Bible, I think growing up the Bible... I viewed it as like locked and stagnant. And as I've gotten older, I see it more as living and active, which is actually what the Bible says about itself, because I think I just see the Bible as more dynamic and not having only one interpretation, um, but just as more nuanced and full of riddles and puzzles and poetry. And it's so much more than just a how-to manual. It's almost like you see it as living and active, right? Right. And that's yeah. Hebrews chapter four mm-hmm. says that the word of God is living and active, um, not not stagnant. I feel like I could say the same because I I feel like remember I remember seeing something where people would say, "I wish life came with an instruction manual," and then the Christian comes in and they're like, "It does," and it's the Bible, and it is very much like I you know I remember as a teenager flipping to the back, looking at the concordance and, you know, trying to figure out the answer to a question like, (laughs) I'll just make up something ridiculous. (laughs) Um, 
how short, how long do my shorts have to be? And like, look in the concordance yeah. for the word shorts and it's not there. So no one knows, you know, like just, this is ridiculous, but you get what I'm saying. Right. And I, I took the Bible very literally. I remember in high school sitting on some steps waiting for the day to start and a teacher walked by and they were like, hi, Sarah, how are you? And normally what you would say in that question is, I'm good. How are you? Mm -hmm. But what came to mind was the scripture of I think Jesus saying, no one is good, but God alone, right? When they call him good teacher and he's like, why do you call me good? No one is good, but God alone. And I just suddenly understood I'm not allowed to use the word good unless I am talking about God. Like I literally could not answer someone. I'm good. I don't remember how I answered them. I think I used to say, I'm doing well. And then if they said like, and I said, how are you? And they said, I'm good. I'd be like, blasphemy. <laughs> but anyway, it's just funny to look back on and think like, oh, sweet child. <laughs> That's not where that was headed or what that was intended for. I love it. But though. again, coming back to Drew, you know, what we've been talking about of reading the Bible in community, a lot of these things, especially of taking it literally, for me at least, came from reading the Bible in isolation. I did have um, some you know, community type situations. So I don't mean to say that I was only reading the Bible in isolation, but I feel like all those like really specific kind of wacky things just came from my own head and I didn't really run it past anyone or crowdsource it at all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I like when you were saying sweet child, you called yourself that just a moment ago. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about like, maybe it's more important though, to initially approach scripture as a child whatever age you are, whenever you come to the Bible, to take it for what it says and to look at it and to let the difficult parts, because children aren't always puzzled by the Bible. They don't walk away from church just sagging under the weight of scripture. They let the hard things go until they can understand it more. And so I think there is something to, you know, initially, like you do approach the Bible like a child. I mean, Jesus said, that's how you enter the kingdom of heaven. And then you let scripture mature and grow you through the power of the Holy Spirit as as you grow in your faith. Yeah, I think you're right. I look back and I do think of it kind of with endearment. Mm -hmm. Some of the ways, yeah. so, some things I would say are a little more painful or frustrating to remember, like mm -hmm. how judgmental I was based on how yeah. literally I was taking scripture. But I think you're right. There is an element of kind of like sweetness to it because sometimes we overcomplicate things as adults. So I have another question for the two of you, and that's, you know, throughout this podcast, you've been touching on different topics and, and describing how your experience of that growing up and to now has shifted, uh, you know, so you've talked about the gospel and the will of God and dating and, you know, all, all kinds of things so far. But I'm curious, as you've talked about and shared the experience of shifting from one place to another. What role has the Bible played in those shifts along the way for you? So the first thing that pops into my mind is a conversation I had with a friend recently, actually talking about this particular topic, how the way we read and interact with the Bible has changed from the time that we became a Christian or first started reading the Bible to now. And she mentioned putting side by side her life, her life experiences with the fruits of the spirit that are listed in the Bible. Hmm. And I guess to sum it up, 
God gives us the Bible, but he also gives us the Holy Spirit, particularly in this conversation to appropriately interpret his word. So kind of lining up what the Bible says in terms of like listing the fruits of the spirit by your own experience. I don't know if I'm making, I don't think I'm making good enough sense of this. Do you know what I'm trying to say and are able to summarize what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think you're saying if the fruits of the spirit are evident in your life, then there's a good chance that your life is lining up with the Bible or scripture. Is that true? Is that what you're saying? God bless you, Katie. Yes, that is what I'm saying. <laughs> and I, I think an even someone who had all of the fruits of the Spirit who can compare our lives to is Jesus. So if our life is lining up with maybe the life of Christ or the character of Christ, then that's also like a sure guide that we are living lives based in Scripture, which is the, the story of God. So your question was, has the Bible influenced any of the shifts that we've talked about in previous episodes? And I would say that it's actually the reverse, that I've experienced the character of God differently from when I was young to where I am now, which means that I have read the Bible differently. I think just some of the struggles I've been through, for example, like going to a really legalistic youth group and church and feeling shame about my body and modesty and all of that. And in the Bible, I read God as being not someone who condemns versus maybe before reading God as only judgmental or only condemning someone who is immodest, if that makes sense. So it's it's more that like having a different experience of God and a healthier church community means that I'm reading the good things I experience about God. I'm seeing those more prevalently in scripture than I did before. What about for you, Drew? Have you seen a shift of the role of the Bible in people's lives? You've had a lot of context to interact with people with the Bible. Do you see any sort of trend or anything like that? Hmm. It would be hard to speak completely authoritatively. I haven't done like a controlled survey or anything like that. But but I've but I've read uh, some some surveys, so I mean maybe I can speak to that a little. But um. I feel like the primary shift that I'm aware of, and I've, I've read some, some stuff about recently, is that it, it feels like a generation ago, there was a great deal of reading the Bible as a rule book, as an instruction manual uh, kind of thing. So what does the Bible say? No, let's, let's just do it, um, get it right. Because if we get it wrong, it's going to go really bad. And, and I mean, that, I think speaks into a lot of the things that, that have come up throughout the course of this podcast uh, of, of maybe growing up with that sense of here's how it's supposed to be. Here's how you should do things. And so, you know, reading for, for rules, uh, I, I think maybe as, as a generation before, a lot of the people in my church have come from that place. Uh, I mean, they were actively given the checklist and the rules and the things to do and not do and on and on. Um, and that's what their spiritual life. So like the, the, the community that I'm ministering to, uh, largely I'm trying to help them work through some of that baggage of, of coming to scripture primarily as a rule book, primarily as having been told, here's, you know, what you should do and shouldn't do, uh, and given that checklist. Speaking of that, I feel like we can't make it through this episode without bringing up that age old, don't take the Bible out of context joke, I guess, which is really dark of the thing of like, one day a man opened the Bible and it said, who was it? Judas went and hung himself. And then he flipped through and he opened another page and he tapped a verse and it said, 
go and do likewise. And that's why you should never take the Bible out of context. Have you heard that? I this? can't believe you've heard that too. Yes. Oh my of gosh. Of course. This is so Have you heard that, Drew? Well, I have not heard that, but it is dark. <laughs> it's really dark. <laughs> I think I heard it when I was like in high school. Me too. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah, reading in context is so important. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that for myself, most of my own kind of shifting views on things has come precisely because I started reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I could share specific examples about that in various ways. But the more that I've read the Bible, the more that my own sense of what is true and good and beautiful has been refined and transformed. Mm -hmm. So if a generation before us viewed the Bible as more of an instruction book, what would you say this generation, how, how are they interacting with the Bible and is it different? Yeah, I think it totally depends on who you ask and, and who you talk to. But I think the temptation now is more to read the Bible as kind of a personal feel good mm. kind of thing, right? That big emphasis that you're talking about, about quiet time. I, there was an article that just came out last week about how quiet time is killing our biblical literacy because we're spending time in sort of this devotional, let me find that verse that's really going to warm my heart, which is good. But like, because that's the primary thing, there are people who spend a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time with God, a lot of time with parts of the Bible, but don't know the story of Abraham, Isaac, mm -hmm. and Jacob. Don't know the story of the Exodus and Israel and the exile later on, because it's just sort of, let me have my quiet time, let me read my devotional stuff. And so I, I think that perhaps if the, the Bible in a previous generation was read in order to be right, now perhaps it's being read in order to feel good. And both of those can be errors if we don't kind of hold things rightly. So to wrap up this conversation, what would you say a middle ground for reading the Bible in a healthy way looks like? If it's not only about rules and if it's not just to make you feel good, then what is it for? I would say that the best way that I have found to read scripture is as a large story. Scripture is an unfolding narrative. Uh, it's the story of God and God's people. And we could trace that story from Genesis to Revelation, which is sort of yet to, to come. And so we're right there in the middle of that story. Uh, I've, I've heard someone describe, I loved this image of the Bible is our backstory as the people of God. Do you want to know your backstory? Read the Bible. That's where we come from. That's the heritage that we have. That's how we find out our place in the story so that we know where we're going next and ultimately who we're going with. That's beautiful. And I think, you know, earlier you said we really should be reading scripture as a story, which I think is true and wonderful. And I don't think I really understood that until a couple of years ago, I was working in a Christian school and a major part of their curriculum was the Jesus Storybook Bible, which even the title of that, the Jesus Storybook Bible is partly because it's a storybook, but also they really try to communicate the message that the Bible is a story. And it just was so eye-opening for me. How did I not know this for so long? How did I not connect the dots in this way? But the incredible thing 
while the you know the Jesus Storybook Bible in particular is written for children, it is incredible to read as an adult, and it has blessed me and challenged me in a lot of ways. And a story is not just cute. A good story reveals character. If you were to tell me a story about your life, you, I don't know, you go to the grocery store and you're like, I got my groceries, but there was a woman in line in front of me and I pushed her out of the way. And then the, the clerk was slow. So I yelled at them. If you're telling me this, I'm immediately thinking you're a terrible person, right? I'm sorry. I could have done a positive example. This I mean, one he does it every fun. day. All the time he pushes. He does. <laughs> We're calling you out, Drew. That's why you're really our guest today. And a well-told story with the appropriate details really paints a picture of who the person is. So thinking of the Bible as a story, I feel like Yes, that makes so much sense because if we are connecting the dots, if we're seeing, sure, Leviticus or Numbers could potentially be very boring to read, but if you understand the why behind it, then it makes it a whole lot more interesting. And like you said, it leads us to understand who God is and how God is, which is the whole point of everything. Bam, love it. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Pastor Drew Dixon, aka my husband, about the Bible. Next week's episode will feature another special mystery guest. But until next time, remember B I B L E. Yes, that's the book for me. Thanks, Drew. You're a brave soul. <laughs> <laughs>